0: One of the lenses I want to suggest would be to consider the gospel through the lens of initiation. We feel responsible to have a kind of 30-minute conversation that ends with the sitcom making sense. Uh, no.
1: Sometimes the vision can cause you to
0: stop. The vision doesn't drive you. The vision can actually constrain you. You just think, well, gosh, that's way bigger than I am. That's way bigger than my skills. If your spiritual life does not have a regular dose of adventure to it, it's not going to sustain the masculine soul. Can I do the background music? Yeah, please. Man, he's never I feel like the has <laughs> <He's> never listened <laughs> yeah. to a podcast. And doing a new one. This is great. Do you guys
2: <laughs> want something new for the new year? A, a little offended. <laughs> P, Me, new year. I like that. It was kind of a I saw like a lizard running from a
1: hawk.
0: Panic uh, in
2: Detroit, baby. Dun, 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 guys, welcome dun. back to the Ancense Podcast. Uh, we are focused today and excited to be talking to you about a topic that I'm sure is going to get hit home right right in the soft spot for everybody. So dad, thanks for joining us today. Um, this conversation got started because I was chatting with a mutual friend who's in his 20s last night, and he was expressing about like new year, new changes, things that he wishes were different. And I was kind of like, oh, okay, what what do you mean? And he said that he woke up and he felt the same way that he's felt many times uh, over the last several months, which is unsure of his place in the world, unsure of whether or not God exists. And he had hoped that after some prayer and after, you know, kind of a, a new year, a new season, that maybe he would wake up and not feel those things. And I sort of had this moment internally. I'm like, wait, you want to wake up in the morning, believe that God is real without any shadow of a doubt, know your place in the world, know your trajectory in it. I'm like, dude, if we could bottle and sell this, we would be golden. (laughs) Like who doesn't, maybe it's a little too skeptical, but I feel like that is so true of our experience in general. And something that we make a joke around about here is if you have a particularly good day, a great beer, a great hunting trip, a great song, a, a great joke, someone might say, it makes me believe in God again. And we don't really mean like that we don't, but there's some truth behind the humor that, like, right. we need to be pulled back to those, and it's not easy.
0: Right? Yeah. And and the guy that you're describing is a solid guy. I mean, we're talking about a guy who has a spiritual life and loves God and and has a sense of of purpose and mission and and yet. Right. Right. I mean, we're not we're not talking about somebody who doesn't give a rip. This, this is a solid guy.
1: Absolutely. And I think the thing that becomes visible in a guy who actually has a lot of spiritual practices and, you know, like he's a friend who prays more than most people that I know and actually cultivates that life with God. But it's, man, even a young guy who has spiritual practice, it's hard for him to keep the spiritual life alive and to keep uh, sort of the immediacy of God alive day to day. Totally, And right away... I could just, I feel like I could reference a dozen conversations offhand of that feels very true for young guys. Uh, for some reason, it's difficult to keep the spiritual life thriving, to stay plugged in, to keep experiencing the presence of God, uh, keep operating in view of the larger story. And so the topic on the table today is why is that? If that is true, and then what do we do about it?
2: Yeah, so to to make this a little bit more clear as well, like we're talking about young men's experience of spirituality and are the ways that it seems to be more difficult for young men. Um, and as uh, by way of anecdote, Susie was mentioning to me, not for the first time, that she seems to see a lot more young women in church communities. That, yep. Just whether it's a small group or an actual brick and mortar, like, there just seem to be (laughs) uh, the case of, like, there's a lot of young women who are really passionate about and know who Jesus is. And, like, they seem to be really, they're passionate, they're present, and there's there's almost an unspoken, and yet sometimes it is spoken, desire on their part that there were more men around. And it, it does invite the question of like, wait, why aren't there more guys here? What, like what, what there seems to be
0: as a gender gap Yeah, I think there is a gender gap and, and I think that it was very, very true for your grandfather's generation. And I think it grew in my generation and I think it is pandemic now in your generation. So it's not new, but it does seem to be snowballing. It does seem to be avalanching, that it's larger and larger number of guys just having a hard time finding something that's real and vibrant and sustainable, like lasting in a life with God. And it breaks our hearts because, you know, man, if you lose that, it just feels like you start losing a lot of other things with it. You know, then shortly after comes purpose and career and and relationships and other things begin to pick up the collateral damage uh, of not having that. So big topic, important podcast, glad to be invited into it. I think the first thing that comes to mind for me, there's just a couple things we need to name and maybe even in naming them, we're going to put some words to things that guys are going to go, what? Like, whoa. Men don't pray like women. Men don't worship like women. Men don't see God in the same way that women do. And just as a point of example, a number of very popular worship songs in the last 10 years, and and by the way, you know, the the worship music that's been coming out of the church in the last decade is phenomenal. I mean, when I you know, became a Christian back in the in the seventies in the Jesus movement. I mean, honestly, the songs were We Are One in the Bond of Love. You know, I mean, they were it was
2: pretty basic. I hey, mean, there's probably lots of people out there that <laughs> miss the good old tunes.
0: <laughs> okay, listen. Uh, they don't know
2: this podcast. <laughs> they, they were great. don't listen to this podcast though.
0: <laughs> they were great. They were great, but come on compared to like j- the the Frankly, just the musical sophistication and and skill and power of what's coming out now. Totally. But the point I want to show is a number of those songs are around God as lover, Jesus as bridegroom, you know, lyrics of, you know, you will come and and marry me, uh, you you romance me, uh, a song that I happen to like, but very feminine song uh, we dance right and and we sway and you take the lead Lord and okay so let's just be honest that this is a lot of guys that go eh? I I don't quite connect with that I now speaking for me personally I do not relate to Jesus as my bridegroom and Many women do and find a very, very, very intimate and rich spiritual experience in that. So, what I want to name is, we have to first tell guys that it is okay that you are not resonating with much of what your feminine counterparts are in your world. The women you go to church with or small group, if you're married, your spouse, relationships, like that's actually okay. Because I think that to try and force yourself into a spiritual life out of, well, they seem to be enjoying it, I guess I ought to too. That's not gonna get you anywhere.
2: Yeah, I guess when I think about how I've experienced a lot of different church services and because of our particular journey, we've experienced a lot. We've experienced a variety of Orthodox to Evangelical and I've almost felt like if I were more mature, I would be like less bored, or would feel less like school. Like I, I know that you've written about this of just how hard it is for boys in school to sit still at a desk and and do these things, and somehow is not the same, but very similar. Sit in this pew, sit in this chair, do these things, and then if you're done, if you really want to be engaged, you can go have coffee and mingle with other people, and it's like. Sign me
0: up. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's hard. Totally. In its basic format, the observation there, and it feels like you could point it out anywhere, is that the the culture of the world, actually, but then by extension, the kind of default uh, culture and organization of churches is not the culture that masculinity thrives in. And something as simple as you mentioned the coffee date, like when your cultural relational norm is a lot of sitting in a circle and talking. And I love conversation a lot. And I love like my close friendships that involve rich conversations. But when your relational thing is sit in this room and talk and then sit in this other room and talk and then sit in this room and listen, you have simply created a circumstance where a person who is a man going to have a very difficult time. And therefore, if that's where his life with God is supposed to take place, he's going to
0: have a more difficult time. Okay. So, let's just start with, you can't leave out the heart. You can't leave out the heart. You can't leave out the heart. So, whatever it is you're trying to pursue, right? If you're trying to get back into like an exercise, you know, routine, or if you're trying to deepen a relationship, or if you're looking for a career shift or thinking about grad school, like you're not going to answer any of those questions without the heart. Like you've got to bring the heart back central. And the same thing's true of the spiritual life. And we, let's just just name that. That's like the heart is central. And one answer to this, and it's, it's, We're naming something of the the, kind of the gender gap in worship music and and, and in relational experience, and I think that's very real. You have to find God in the things that you love. Where is your heart? How is your heart? If your heart feels numb, if your heart feels dull, if your heart feels checked out, you're going to have a hard time having a spiritual life. You just are. You you can't maintain it purely on intellect or purely on obedience. So I mean it's just, you know, first the first kind of you know, checkup on this on this tune up is how's your heart? Where's your heart? What what has the life of your heart been the last several
2: months? I mean, is this an actual question you're asking us or is this a hypothetical question you're asking the listener?
1: This is definitely not you, Zam.
2: Perfect. Good. Because I wouldn't want to go there. But you, the listener, should go there. Um, something that it evokes is that, like, I'm not always sure when I'm doing the thing that I love, whether that's road biking or watching a Miyazaki film, if if it's a place that I could meet God, because it feels like I'm, I'm letting some steam off. It feels like I'm... I'm taking the pressure cooker and just trying to let some of that pressure out. And therefore it can sometimes feel like medication, Mm -hmm. um, which thankfully after some conversations with people doesn't have quite the negative connotations it does anymore. It kind of means more like medicine for me. And so I'm wondering like, okay, you want to meet, find God in things that you love. Like that's something that we've, we've said and we say, and I, I in this moment want to go, how, how do I know if it's a place where I can't, like if, if I'm, if I'm someone who loves a great cup of coffee, but maybe I just want the caffeine and the taste, like, is, is that a place where I meet God? And, and if so, how?
0: What I'm simply saying is if you take off the table all the things you love and say, well, that, that stuff's not relevant— right? Like road biking or, you know, I love to go to the gym or I love music, not, not necessarily worship music. I just love music, bluegrass or whatever your particular thing is. If you take all that stuff and you set it aside, you know, this, this is the whole uh, sacred secular thing that goes back, you know, millennia. But if you take all that aside and say, that's irrelevant, that's not spiritual. God is not really going to come to you in those things. You need to cultivate a spiritual life in this set of categories. You need to have a quiet time. You, you need to you know, have regular church attendance, that sort of thing. You will die because you have taken off of the table all of the things that make your heart come alive and, and excluded them from a spiritual life, and now you're trying to find God. And I'm just telling you, it's not going to happen. It's, or it's not going to be sustainable. I mean, you may have a few experiences, but beyond that, it's going to kill you.
2: The way you described it makes me, the words that come to mind are pseudo-gnosticism. Right. Like, not totally rejecting everything, but I'm embarrassed at how sometimes that's felt accurate. Like, what I need to be spiritual is, like, a more monk-like, and not even the, the monk life that I like, but, like, ascetic monk life to truly be spiritual
1: right it's it reminds me of certain stories of like the Irish Christians where you know many versions of early Christianity were like I don't mean actually early Christianity many variations of like millennia Christianity so like that 1000 to 12 dark ages dark ages everybody Christianity were like pretty iconoclastic in the form of like destroy art destroy sporting fields, like not just the actual, like cut down act- the sacred groves, cut down the sacred groves is the one I'm building towards. So, and then you have the contrast of, a figure like St. Patrick, who is like, we don't need to cut down the sacred groves. Like, yep, they have been used for pagan practice. But in fact, like, we're going to go in and we're going to pray through them. We're going to kick everything out and we're going to take them. As this, as a site that is true to our culture that has been an access point to a lesser God, and now we're gonna serve the one and only God to whom all others bow. And what I like about that story is when I share that in certain contexts, you can like kind of feel like a wince in some people, in yeah, some so young guys, yeah. where they're like, Oh, but you like you can't do that. And I'm like, well, in some cases, sure. Like, you know, you can't just keep doing, I don't know like seances, but you do them for Jesus now. Right. However, the point of culture isn't to be annihilated and replaced with a new entity that is Christian activity. Exactly. Like we actually have these things that can that can be transformed and incorporated. So like when we're saying don't burn the sacred groves, it's like, man, were you like, are you, you know, a passionate hiker? Like don't stop hiking to start prayer journaling, like keep hiking, but make it a consecrated space where you are inviting God into it. Exactly,
0: right. Or at the gym or the books that you love to read or working in your shop, that the masculine heart has some essential needs and two of them, adventure and battle. They're just crucial. And and I want to quickly say, guys can experience you know adventure in a lot of different ways. Uh, Some some guys like you, Sam, love travel, and and that's that's the adventure. Other guys like Alex on our team are ice climbers. That's not that's not my adventure, but it's his. Right, so I want to say there's a breadth to this. Don't immediately dismiss this as oh, here here go you know the Aldridge clan on you know you got to have adventure in your life, and that means elk hunting.
2: Oh, I've got a friend whose adventure is deep learning, artificial intelligence, and therefore needing to go back into higher mathematics in order to participate. In exactly.
0: It. Right. So, so adventure in guys starting companies, right? Trying a small business, moving to a new city, taking up a grad program right? Going to counseling could be a massive adventure, right? It it can express itself in a number of ways, but I just want to say, if your spiritual life does not have a regular dose of adventure to it, it's not going to sustain the masculine soul. And that's back to the, you know, sit in a chair, you know, sit in a circle in chairs, sit in church, sit at coffee, You know the sitting the very act of it is not adventurous and so while those things can be very very good you better make sure you've got this big old dose of adventure over on on the other side and gang as we were having a conversation about this beforehand one of the observations that was made was nothing in your life is going to encourage this everything in your life is set against this like You know, for you to develop a vibrant spiritual life is not going to be cheered on by the world, by your job, by, you know, the demands on your life, by the pressures, that kind of this is something you will have to fight for. Okay. So as I'm laying out this context of adventure, I can feel the ennui. I can feel that, oh, really? Like I don't have any of that in my life. Don't be overwhelmed by that. Just recognize that, right, guys, it's opposed. And, and it's not just going to roll in on a tray. Like, this is something you will have to fight and arrange for, calendar for, make it a priority. But as you do, as you do, one of the great surprising things is a heart that begins to become more and more alive and a God that begins to become more and more real and personal to you. So, love to ask a question here.
1: We're talking about keep things you love, invite God into them. What does that actually look like? What is the process of, I love food. I am a chef. I would love to meet God and being a chef. Do you mean I like throw up a quick prayer before I begin my prep work?
0: Look for him there, is what I'd say. He's there. Like this isn't, you don't have to like, Get him to show up. He's already in it. And he here was here was one of the life-changing epiphanies that came to me in, in my spiritual life as a man was that moment that I realized, wait a second, you love the things I love. Like God's already in it. He loves cooking. He loves food. Right? I mean, he created this whole rich, unbelievable palette for us in the world between, you know, chili peppers and sea bass and, you know, uh, roasted corn. I mean, he created all this. He's already in it, gang. He's right there. He loves it. It is opening our hearts almost in a posture of, where are you here? Like a playfulness of, I'm going out for a run today and I, I can't wait to run into you. Where are you in my run today? Uh, and I had to drive home for lunch uh, today, and, and I'm driving along. And I look around the side. There are these two wild dogs. They look like dingoes, and they are tearing apart a deer carcass, and it was so startling to me, but it was like that interruption of God is all around us. He, he is always here. He is, he's there. Where is he? In the kitchen? Look for him. And there's an openness. Yes, you say a prayer. Yes, you say, come into this. I wanna but there's there's a it's like a posture of the heart of what are you up to? And I bet I bet for the chef, I wanna say it's in the creativity. I bet it's in the creativity. It's in the joy of mixing this and that. And what if I do this this time? I bet it because God is such a creative person. Awesome. What next? You
1: said that there were several things.
0: Well, the other, the other absolutely huge category is battle Mm. and the masculine soul rises to it. For example, video games. What are the popular video games for young men? Well, it's not chess.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they're all adventure, superhero, drive fast cars, um, blow stuff up games, right? For the, yeah.
0: yeah, Call of Duty, right? All the Halo series, and all it and the guys are in some kind of battle. Even even the race games, even that you're, you know, it's you're fighting to win. It's not just adventure. There's 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 battle to it, right? That see see how crucial that is to the masculine soul. It's like so deep. And if you just take that off the table, and you say, yeah, that's just you and your video games. That's that's not. That's not part of a spiritual life. I mean, my gosh, it's it's like losing your right arm. Yeah. I have a
1: couple thoughts on this that come right away. And one is, there's that comment, I don't know if this is in every group that kind of gets traded around, and it's the reality where people go, well, but in real life, adventure kind of takes longer. That one, it's It's the process, it's perseverance, it's dedication to a cause, it's forgiveness, like all real positive things. However, because, you know, come away and go, I wish life were more like Lord of the Rings. And I've had conversations and someone's replied like, you know, but then I think if they were in that story, it might feel more like my story, right? It might feel like disorienting. And I kind of go, ah. I don't know. I think that if there were orcs coming at me that I had to kill with a sword, I would feel a little more epic. I don't think that would feel exactly the same (laughs) as, like, feeding my daughter. That would be different. But the piece that goes right there is, I have a conversation, you know, another friend in the community who just talks about, wow, you guys will say spiritual battle. You'll say battle. You'll throw up the trailer to some movie that just grips you. And I'll go, yes, I want that. I want to be one of the, you know, four guys in that tank in the movie Fury. And then you go, that's spiritual battle. And it's like, oh, wah, 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 wah. Like, I don't experience uh, him being like, I don't experience spiritual life that way. And
0: Well, I think if you don't think it's a battle, either your life is going great uh, and there's nothing you have to fight for. Uh, you don't have to fight for friendships. You don't have to fight for love. You don't have to fight for work or, or good work or a sense of calling. Don't have to fight for your dreams, all that. All that's just rolling on in. You, you've got too much good going on in your life. And, and I would say, oh, enjoy that season if that's true. You know it's a fight. You, you just know it is. Could you take any category of the things that matter to you. Love, purpose, meaning, joy, you know, back to adventure, any of that. And you realize, oh, I have to fight for this. And I would say the beginning place is you have to fight for this. You have to fight for a life with God. Because when you ask about really, if we're just honest for a second and you say, okay, how do we have a life with God? Like how do we, how does a young man in particular experience a richer life with God? That is not not like asking, how do I maintain an exercise regimen? How how do I, you know, train for a, a half marathon or a marathon? It's not like asking, okay, guys, how do I, how do i make a little more money how do i how do i begin to invest well it's not like asking even something as weighty as how do i find my calling what we're talking about is is the single most important question in a person's life because out of your life with god flows everything else the meaning the joy the sense of purpose identity you know healing childhood trauma. I mean, you just, you kind of pick any category, right? So I, I just want to say like, this isn't on a level of any of those other kinds of questions. I've never actually heard, you know,
2: picking a training program for an Ironman is actually an easy option compared to something else. Compared but, to life with God. But in this case, it certainly sounds easy because at least it's cut and dry, you know. Exactly. You get a plan you can print for your calendar online.
0: Right. Yeah. And I just wanted to say that because if you don't perceive that, if that's not how you are approaching, I want a genuine um, and life with God. And even, even by that, what do we mean? Like... How would you fill in the blank? You know, when when you hear someone say, I want a life with God, what is it that we are asking for? Yeah, good question. The first thing that comes to me is,
1: one, to actually experience your life through the frame of the larger story. So to actually experience my life through there is a battle of good and evil, the mission of Jesus on the earth is to, res- you know, restore the broken hearted. Yeah, restore the humanity, captives, yes. And I am participating in that. And then, too, but right alongside that would be some kind of active back and forth where I know that I am aligning myself to uh, like the day by day direction of God, because I hear his voice and because I feel his presence when I'm doing, and because I see him shaping the world around me or influencing how I'm spending my time in a way that's producing a difference.
0: Experience. We're, we're talking, you know, Christianity is actually not primarily a set of beliefs. Jesus says, I've come that you may have life, right? And then he says, and this is life an actual experience of God and all the resources of God, kind of all that comes under that, whether that's restoration or friendship or joy, or right? So we're not just talking about a category of, you know, what should I study or, you know, should I be more, should I just serve more? Is it, is it volunteering that, that's missing in my life? What we're after is an experience on a regular basis of the presence of god right
1: right okay so, so that just makes that seems like it takes it even further from the iron man training regime because you know if it's not convictions and it's not you know a sort of formulaic progression through spiritual development what is it right like what what do what does a person actually do? Yes. What does it look like to cultivate that?
0: Yeah. And the single most helpful thing is to hang out with people who have it. Hang out with people, by the way, who you enjoy and desire their spiritual experience. Anybody else going, that is a small group of people that come to mind. Exactly. Person that comes to mind. Exactly. Exactly. And I think we feel some guilt over that, right? That first off, you have to understand that one of the enemy's greatest ploys ever was to take wacky people, fill their mouths with Christian jargon, and then make the whole thing so unbelievably unappealing. Who wants that? And and that, for, for example, personally for me, that, you know, that was the realm of kind of like the miraculous, you know, people who are sort of chasing miracles and that sort of thing. I think... I would love to experience more miracles in my life, but I was so turned off by those people. There was nothing about their life I wanted. Okay, so whose life with God is attractive to you, uh, either in person or in print or online or, or or you know, in podcast format or something like, you. you know, those are the people that you want to hang out with because it's... Well, it's very much like athletic training. Isn't there data that shows that you're a whole lot more likely to keep at it if you you have a workout partner?
1: I don't know if there's data, but if I can just make the the anecdotal evidence right here, it's sort of a fact for us. I
2: know. This. Anecdotally for me, I go for a run and my body says, this could all end right now.
0: <laughs> just stop <laughs> <laughs> at any you could stop this yeah and when i'm with someone else obviously you're running with susie it changes everything yeah exactly changes everything so let me suggest three things that i think would be very very helpful based on my experience and based on the experience of years and years of counseling people into the spiritual life uh, the first thing is most people base their beliefs on their experience rather their experience on their beliefs. In other words, I'm not experiencing much of God. He seems distant, ergo God is distant, right? I'm not hearing the voice of God, therefore God does not speak. And you can't start there. One of the richest experiences is to begin with, start with what Christ has already won for you. Start with that. Like you, do, you do have to have a content base for your spiritual life. Not you can't start with experience. We can get to experience, but but things like you are loved, you are forgiven. In fact, you are chosen. You are deeply and personally known. And in fact, there's. I love this passage. Paul is going on, I forget in which epistle, but he says, you know, since we have come to know God, and then he pauses and says, or rather, we have come to be known by him. Like, starting with, you're known, you're seen, you're loved, your ransom has been accomplished through the cross of Christ, your restoration has been accomplished through the resurrection. Like, you do have to start there. And that will guide your heart into truer and more authentic experiences rather than just kind of, you know, what most people try is they, you know, they get in their room, they turn off the music, they get quiet, and they go, okay, God, (laughs) right? And. Ooh, it, it just, you know, you hear the lawnmower outside, you think about the sandwich you want to make for lunch. You, you know, Katy Perry starts playing in your head. Katy Perry starts playing in your
2: head. Not that it's ever happened. I mean, like as an example,
0: yeah. you can't start with a quote, spiritual experience. I'm going to go have a spiritual experience. So you have to start with, okay, my dear heart my own heart, here is what is true. I am seen, I am known, I am loved. And, right, Hebrews, I will never leave you or forsake you. God, you are actually here. In fact, what I'm leading to is you're beginning with the truth. You've got to start there. And and I would recommend, for example, Neil Anderson's book, Victory Over the Darkness, only because what he primarily does in that book is not talk about the battle, but he talks about what christ has already accomplished for us who we are to him what we mean to him and when you begin to like settle into that wow it gets your heart in a far better place to appreciate the presence of god who in fact is with you okay the second thing i would say is you need some input what, what's your input? Where, where are you going? Like, you want to get strong, you eat right. You want to learn a foreign language, you you get, you know, Rosetta Stone. Like, you got to have input. Who do you find enriches you? Who, you know, kind of back to whose spiritual life is attractive to you. And, you know, for me, I would go and pick up authors like Frederick Beekner or Annie Dillard, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis I love personally, G.K. Chesterton, because for me... They speak. Now, for another person, that doesn't speak. Well, then find something that does, right? Find something that speaks to it. What's your input? You've got to have some input. What are you reading? What are you listening to That that is nurturing your spiritual life? You, you can't just construct this for yourself, okay? And then the third thing is what I would call, I'm going to borrow Brother Lawrence's phrase, practicing the presence of God. So, Brother Lawrence, French monk, uh, the phrase was gross by nature, but beautiful by grace. Um, Not an attractive man, worked as a monk in the monastery kitchen, apparently was very clumsy, dropped stuff a lot, (laughs) burned meals a lot. But what he had, he, he had a genuine relationship with Jesus that was so appealing. Kings came to him for counsel. And he has, a, he has a beautiful book. You can find it called Practicing the Presence of God, or there's even a shorter version called Closer Than a Brother, which is sort of a paraphrase of Lawrence's teaching in a paperback form that's actually an easier read, you know, compiled by someone else, uh, Closer Than a Brother. But what I'm suggesting is the one-minute pause, the one-minute pause in your day where you just pause and you just practice, God, thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're with me. Thank you that you are right beside me right now. And even deeper, and this is Madame Gallo, uh, her book, Union with God. She actually says, thank you that you are inside of me. You are inside of me. I have opened my life to you. Thank you that you are here. One minute, just a one-minute pause. If you If you just implement that then the fruit of a couple of weeks of that is holy cow i'm i'm experiencing god at work these days i'm experiencing god in my car I, i'm i'm cultivating these simple practices right start with what christ has already won for you and then what's the input where where are you going for some from spiritual input that you find attractive that you find nourishing and and again you know somebody's going to throw a book at you and you, you, you open it and you go, yes, it just isn't speaking to me, then drop it. Drop it. Find something that is. And, and then thirdly, just try that, the one-minute pause. Just practice the presence of God. And I think I think you'll be very surprised how much that begins to open your heart to what we're after. And what we're after is regular experience of God in our lives.